Full Circle Podcast with Julie, Glenn and Phil. Exploring and expanding the consciousness. Learning from each other. We discuss and explore our journeys of spiritual development. You are now tuned in to the Full Circle Frequency. Hello and welcome to the Full Circle Podcast with Phil, Julie and Glenn. Hi guys, how are you? Hello Hi, Phil. Phil. Really well, thank you. Yeah, good. Pre- pretty good. Brilliant. Yeah. I usually say at this point, have you had a good week? And I just think, I'm getting a bit bored of hearing myself say that to be honest, but Julie... Have you had a good week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I normally say I've had a very busy week and I've had a great week, uh, but it's been a strange week. So you've been say. doing some work on your chakras, Julie, this week? I have. You were saying earlier, so that's brilliant. And um, Glenn, the same for you. Speaking my truth with yeah. the throat chakra. Brilliant. Have and feel yeah. better for it. It's been a very um, inspirational week for me, lots of channelings this week, and um, I've, I've gone into uh, teaching um teaching spiritual development so mm. i'm kind of going in at the deep end so to speak um but uh, spirit have been channeling through and it's been going really well so i'm feeling really really good about this because originally i was a little bit apprehensive um so yeah it just shows you uh, that magic word trust mm. doesn't it you know yeah. it pays off yeah you're doing that over is that over zoom glenn that you're doing that? it is yeah Brilliant. So that's great. Cool. And what about you, Phil? Have you had a good week? Yes, I have. And then um, I was up very early this morning, um, 12 minutes past four. Um, that's very early. Yep. And then just couldn't go back to sleep. So mm. I've had a, a nana nap this afternoon. Um, but basically, uh, Spirit wanted to talk to me at that time this morning. And I thought, do you know what? They'd, why can't they make it a nice time? <laughs> <laughs> it's always on their terms. But they wanted to talk about different ideas for the podcast um, and things like that. So, so yeah, so I was uh, quarter past four this morning writing notes and whatnot for the for the uh, podcast episodes that are coming up. So That's impressive. Excellent. Yeah. You'll have to set up a, a voicemail system with Spirit. <laughs> yes. I'm going to start and get them to use uh, Post-its, I think. <laughs> so we've got a very, very interesting episode tonight. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. yeah. So um, all about Glenn. I've got to look at my notes now. <laughs> Children's conditioning. Brilliant. And for this topic, we've got a very special guest with us. Um, my best friend, my soul sister, um, specialist, behavior, learning mentor, Reiki master, teacher, psychic medium. But she'll say, I'm not a psychic medium. Uh, Oracle <laughs> card reader as well. So... Please welcome Kathy Swinfield. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Wow, I feel like I've been really bigged up now. I don't know how I'm going to follow that one. Um, 
what a privilege it is to be here and to be part of this. Um, I'm all right, thank you. A bit Good. nervous, but I'm okay. There's no need to be nervous, Cathy, <laughs> at all. You'll be fine. We don't bite. Yeah. <laughs> Cathy, have you had a good week, Cathy? <sighs> it's been very up and down. Um, like you, I've been waking up in early hours and getting messages from Spirit. Uh, last weekend I had a very strange one. I actually picked up on some trauma in the collective from the place where I was born, just outside Singapore. Do so, you want to talk about? Are you, are, do you want to talk about that? Um, it's quite a deep one, but I'm quite happy to go in there with yeah, that. Go on, yeah, go on. So I woke up and I'd had very vivid dreams. I was in a police cell, um, and somebody was trying to drown me in a bucket and being tortured in a police cell. And I could smell the damp walls. I could smell sweaty bodies. It was really, really quite profound. And um, and when I woke up, I kept thinking, that looked like Thai- Thailand or Taiwan or mm. somewhere like that. You know, I could tell by the people around me and the smells. But I just couldn't quite make out what it was. And it bothered me all day, that feeling. And I felt there'd been a political protest. I felt like I'd been part of it. I was being wrongly accused. Mm. It was very, very strange. Um, and I couldn't really tell in what capacity I was there, whether it was actually me having my head dipped in the bucket or whether I was there soothing somebody who had it was very strange anyway I didn't think anything of it other than I felt really disturbed by it all day and I was sat in the car this is a very prosaic ending but I'm sat in the car because I didn't want to go into co-op because I'd fallen asleep in the car my hair was stuck up so I sat in the car (laughs) not that I'm vain at all so I'm sat in the car and I sent my partner in and he says I'll leave the radio on for you and as he left the radio on it started talking about some uprisings um, I'm going to say Penang and it wasn't Penang oh that's really bothering me now I can't remember the place but it was Burmese which was just up the corner uh, just across the ocean yeah. sorry from where I was born so it's on the same ley line as where I was born in Singapore and actually my very first carer was or Alma as it was called in those days because my dad was in the forces was a Burmese lady so my, the right. very first person who held me mm. and cuddled me and looked after me and fed me as a baby mm. was a Burmese maiden so um, very strangely enough that's where the uprisings were and it was a mm-hmm. political protest so I phoned Phil up and went, how normal was this? <laughs> so, how yes, normal? How normal. So, yes, that's sort of how my week be- began, really. So, yeah, it, it hasn't begun. It hasn't become any less prosaic, uh, any more prosaic than that, to be honest. It's just mm. been up and down all week. So, yeah. Mm. The energies are quite intense and, yeah. They are I building this month because we're in March at the yeah. minute and the energies are really building up and really getting some momentum up now aren't they as well i think so yeah somebody some uh, a wise person said um chrissy said um i'm sure it was chrissy that said people we won't recognize by the end of march we mm. won't recognize the people that we are or were i've heard that oh, did I, you say that I last time that. yeah it was mm. good yeah episode that she did. Did I say that to you? I, I can't remember what you've just said there. I feel like I've heard that before. I think I told you on Saturday. Did you? Yeah. Oh, ah, yeah. that's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Cathy, <laughs> um, you were talking about your birth and where you were born and where you were brought up. I'm quite interested to hear about your spiritual development and how you came into your spiritual 
on your how you came onto your spiritual path yeah, yeah journey well i think really it ties in well with the whole conditioning theme um of this episode because when i was four when i was a little girl i had lots of imaginary friends mm-hmm. which now i realize i was speaking to spirit um and i actually had a big african guy who i called zebra because he had a a medicine pouch made of zebra coat. I had um, a dog who I called Lurlul, but he wasn't a dog. He was a massive husky. Wow. I, I had um, I had a little boy called Mouse, which is a very bizarre story about that later. <laughs> but his name was Mousy, but he was actually almost like a Charles Dickens-esque chimney sweep type character. Oh, yeah. And he was my childhood friend and I used to talk to him all the time. And when I was four, my dad came back off exercise and he'd been away for four days, hadn't washed, hadn't changed. And I'd had a dream that Mousy had disappeared through a door and said, bye, I'm not coming back anymore. So I took my dad round the block all night, well, for four hours. <laughs> Poor dad. Looking oh. for Mouse's house. And my dad said oh. to me, he, he kept looking under hedges and I was saying, no, it was a door, Dad, a proper door. <laughs> and I was describing this stone archway with a big wooden door. And I still can see it now vividly. This little four-year-old girl was convinced that Mousy had just disappeared through a door and all I had to do was go and knock on his house. But obviously I went home very disappointed and tired. And my dad had to try and convince me that mice lived in floorboards and he'd probably gone somewhere else like <laughs> so yes yes so that was my early spiritual experiences mm. but again you're conditioned by society and yeah. to yeah. be told that actually that's not normal they make believe they're yeah. not real and I used to sit and talk to people on steps I used to go into haunted buildings and sit and talk have chats with old ladies and things like that and then I was told that I'd made it all up so you start suppressing don't you and you start thinking that that's not actually real. Mm. Yeah. That's wonderful. I think one of the hardest lessons that we go through in adulthood is unlearning everything that we've learned during the course of our life Yeah, to to get to the truth of the matter. Mm. It's almost, we were talking about that um, the other, I don't know which which episode it it was, but we were talking about, yes, the inner child, but also those layers of the onion and removing those onion layers and yeah. really stripping ourselves back down. Conditioning. And that yeah. removing that conditioning and then building ourselves back up. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. that can go from generation to generation as well, can't it, the conditioning? So uh, yeah. if you always do what your, your family or your parents, what you, it's like a pattern, isn't it? And so it's about breaking that pattern. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's not my feel. That's Cathy's feel. But I was just going to Cathy's feel. Actually, <laughs> I was just going to say on that note, um, I'll, I'll relate this now to a work um, work jargon for a little while. So work, um, it's a big thing for safeguarding and looking after and protecting child protection cases. It's a bit, it's it's a bit of a buzz phrase at the moment. They're talking about aces. Is adverse childhood experiences, and they use okay. people's aces to determine whether they're likely to end up with drug addiction, with physical health problems, diabetes, mental wow. health illnesses. Right. And there's roughly 10 aces. Well, there is 10 on this particular chart. I think it was first developed in New Zealand, but please don't quote me on that because 
I've had that much training, I've forgotten. Um, but basically, they work out how many ACEs a person's had in their life. So it, it, I'm not going to go through it all, but it incorporates things like bereavement, separation of a parent, uh, witnessing domestic violence, being the subject of abuse, somebody in prison. And, and then what actually happens then it will predict that that person will will suffer. They're like 50% more likely to have premature or death or become right. substance abuse users. So, and just to let you know, on a personal side, I've got eight out of 10. So... That deserves a round of applause. <laughs> right. okay. So... Basis, Kathy, that includes things... It. That includes um, physical abuse, doesn't it? Verbal abuse... Physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, um, a parent being incarcerated in prison, a parent being bereaved, being separated from parents, moving around a lot. You know, it's yeah. all. I mean, I could go through them all, but um, mm. but there's quite a lot of things within those aces. Mm. But what statistics have found, and I'm not going to go on too much about myself, but what statistics have found if when you've been through those as a child, mm. people grow up and then do those again. Right. Do, those do those again yeah. repeat that cycle as adults basically because it's about they haven't had the the correct conditioning to learn um how how to behave otherwise you know we, yeah. we it's a survival in instinct it, it is and actually i've i'm gonna have to use my buzzword of this week which is mirror neurons which is very interesting in child development because they've just i'm always interested we had the discussion before before we started recording didn't we how the science behind what we believe spiritually is yeah. starting to come out. And mirror yeah. neurons is one of these areas. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the law of attraction. We talk about in our spiritual fields, how um, when we do, when we project our energies on someone else and they feed back those energies, well, actually there's been neurological studies of babies that they actually mirror the emotions of their carer. So if their carer is stressed, their synaptic connections will then make stress synaptic connections. If they're happy, they will make mirror their parents happy serotonin synaptic yeah. connections. So from a very, very early age, that conditioning is going in, Gosh, yeah. negative and positive, and that's been found by brain scans and neurological studies mm. now. So to me, mm. that just basically exonerates what we believe on a spiritual path. Yeah. I've been looking at the brain waves of a child um, from from birth really to twelve. So you've got um, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, Kathy, as well. So you've got delta, which is naught to two years, and that's um, actually for the, for an adult that would be deep sleep. Yeah. That brain wave would be deep sleep. You've got theta. Have I said that right, Kathy? Theta. 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 I, I say theta, and I always think I've said it wrong that way as well. So that's two to seven years, and that's the, the, they're the programming years. Uh, but in, in an adult, that would be uh, the brainwave of hypnosis or meditation. Can I just stop you there? Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting between the ages of two and seven, yeah. because in the ages of two and seven, there was there's somebody called Bowlby who talked about attachment and how um, children learn about love and care in the world from the attachments they receive mm. from a very early age mm. and be up to seven years old. Well, he said five, but then he extended it to seven were the most important years. And then after mm. that, you can have a thing called irrevocable damage, which actually isn't true. It isn't irrevocable, but it's harder to fix 
anything that's happened because that programming is so deeply rooted and so deeply wired between the ages of two and seven. And if you realise that that's what in an adult would be hypnosis, you can see see how powerful that is. Mm. In a way, that that makes sense why there's a lot of TV advertising that's um, engineered, if you like, to that age group. To program. To, to program, program, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to buy that. I need that thing. And I need to do this. I need to behave like that. So, yeah, wow. Mm. Interesting. And children learn with all of the... You were talking, Cathy, about how babies pick up on emotions. Yes. Children learn with all of their senses, don't they, as uh, well? Absolutely. And um, obviously, we believe in energies. So they do pick up on energies, Um, One of my roles before this current role, and it is related, was um, working as a safety support worker within domestic Mm. violence. I know this sounds all a bit dark, but actually the children, the children um, who were still in the mother's stomachs were coming out stressed because the cortisol levels. They picked up on the energy. Energies and the cortisol levels and adrenaline from the mother. So actually this programming Although it does say delta is not to two, I would argue the programming was pre-birth. That the programming yeah. and the conditioning in the womb is in the womb, in mm. the womb. And I can relate a happy version of this. My eldest son Sam, his dad's a guitarist, and he was learning uh, Romeo and Juliet by Mark Knopfler when uh, I was pregnant with Sam. And Sam was crying. We had colic as a baby, and it came on the CD and Sam stopped crying and started Whoa. humming and I'm convinced <laughs> it's because Mark was learning yeah. Romeo and Juliet yeah. while you know while I was still pregnant with Sam yeah. so it, they can pick up on sounds that's and that's why womb music and whale music and things like that are really soothing to babies who were suffering yeah. how would you go on with a child that's got no memory up until a certain point what would you describe that as well, that's usually acute trauma. Is it? Yeah, usually acute trauma because um, children actually choose not to remember. Right. Yes. I have no memory until age 10. Mm. Wow. So I cannot remember anything. I would say that the only way to access those memories would be deep hypnotherapy. So to take yeah. you back to that time yeah. when you were originally programmed. To, I mean, I'm not a hypnotherapist, but one of my close friends is. Yeah. And, you know, she would, she would, Explore she helps that. people access their memories from that time. Wow. Well, yeah. And I do know somebody, in fact, within my family who has no memories before the ages of seven. And that's because she was subject to severe abuse and trauma. So yeah, I know I nearly drowned when I was five because I was told that, but I've got no memory of it. Mm. So maybe that was enough to. I don't want yeah. it to all be dark, but sometimes when we're talking about conditioning, yeah. um, and actually, I'm not going to apologise for delving into the dark side of things because I was listening to um, a YouTube link this week by Chrissy, who Phil often refers to, and yeah. she talked about the need to go into the darkness to retrieve the light of our soul. Exactly. And, and I do feel very passionately that sometimes we have to go into things that are painful to find where we are. And yeah, you can't talk about childhood conditioning without talking about aspects of abuse and actually just programming by this tainted world we live in. We have to be prepared to accept that we have all been programmed yeah. and it is about 
us having the strength to deprogram ourselves and return back to source. Definitely. Mm. That's where that. a lot of yeah. the shadow work comes in, isn't mm. it, really? Mm. That we're all doing at the minute and and a lot of the throat chakra work that we're doing as well. Yeah. Kind of, kind of relates to. <laughs> definitely yeah. been a week for that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're all in sync there, aren't we? <laughs> mm. How do you think we can program, not program children, I don't, like, I don't like to think we're programming children, but how do you think we can nurture our childs, our children in in spirituality? Do you think we should nurture our child, children in spirituality? I, nah, that's a difficult one. Um, when it comes to education, I um, would love this country to go by the Scandinavian model, which is that children learn through play until the ages of seven. Because that's, interesting. that's how children like that. need to learn. Children need to learn by being creative, by being exploratory, by looking and finding and making mistakes. Children nowadays, unfortunately, due to the education system, which I do work within, so I can't criticise too much because it provides me with a living. <laughs> However, if it wasn't flawed, I wouldn't have a job because my job is working within children who are struggling within that system yeah. because it isn't it does not cater doesn't to their needs it doesn't allow them to be creative it doesn't yeah. allow them to be creative it doesn't allow them to think outside the box it doesn't allow them to make mistakes it seems a one size fits all i know it was like that when i was at school if you didn't fit in that was it it was you was ignored ignored should i say yes very much so um, and actually, all behaviour is communication. I will get back to your question in a minute, but I think this no, is quite relevant. Yeah, yeah. All behaviour is communication. So when a child misbehaves, they are communicating to you that something is wrong, that they have an incongruence or a dissonance in their soul, and that's what they are actually trying to communicate. Yeah. So rather than actually correcting the child, maybe the people used need to look at the education environment and say, well, what is wrong with this? Why is this not... Feeding my time. child's soul. Yeah. Why is this not feeding their soul? So the Scandinavian model, I'm not saying it's flawless, but it does try and learn through play. So just if you think about our ancestors, children learn through oral traditions. They learn through songs. We learn through nursery rhymes. Yeah. We learn yeah. through stories passed down by our grandparents. That is how human beings should learn. Mm, and the practical stuff and the apprenticeships didn't actually come till they were 10, 12, you know, and then perhaps that's to do household chores or things like that. And it's the same with academia. There's no point in trying to get, I'm not saying don't get them to write or read. I mean, I was very much one for teaching my children the alphabet, but we learnt, we watched Sesame Street and we sang. <laughs> that's how they learnt the alphabet. Yeah. We sang yeah. the, there was the a letters. Book, there was a book that I read uh, a while a while ago now, I think, um, and it talked about, it talked about higher... Um, higher beings, different planets, and how they bring up their young. Right. And they were saying, and it said that um, the parents bore the child, but then it was the it was the responsibility of the elders to raise the child oh, because they were the because they're the wise ones. So so the children were then passed. Oh, to to yeah. the elders to bring the children up and and teach the children and actually if you think about it north american indians that would be how they would have done it 
because the elderly women who were too old to go and gather, they would be the ones who would like run a mini creche and and the same as the elderly gentlemen, they would be there teaching the boys things like woodcraft and sharpening sticks, mm. while the 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 virile young fathers yes. were out hunting. hunting so that was again the hunting and gathering. That's they would have followed that model, wouldn't they, Phil? Yeah, and yeah, I suppose if you think about it as well, though, somebody if 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 a, if a woman has a child at 18, 20, 21, 22, she still that she's still Don't developing. Don't you? Yeah. 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 At that age, you're still learning yourself, really, aren't you? Mm. I suppose. I did like what you were saying about the um, learning from songs as well there, uh, because, um, you know, it works on so many levels. It's soothing, it's calming, it's healing. And for some reason... I don't know about anybody else, but I can remember song lyrics from about 30 years ago, yet I can't remember any academia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it has a Absolutely. way of fitting into the subconscious mind, music. And poetry as well. Yeah. Um, poetry, um, I'm going to really bore you now with my degree, which was English, but poetry was used to be written in what's called am- iambic pentameter, so that's how Shakespeare, and it's a bit sing-song. Expressive reading. And that that goes into your mind, and that, again, is really appeals to your, um, go on, theatre, theatre programming. Oh, it was yeah. theatre programming. So that would appeal to your theatre programming because it's repetitious, it's got a pattern. Um, babies developing have a, a system of recognition called gestalt, which is basically patterns. It comes from a German meaning patterning so basically anything with a a pattern if we think about uh, i'm bringing sacred geometry in that but anything anything (laughs) sacred geometry so if we think of the patterns of sacred they're so beautiful because they follow a regular pattern Pattern, and it's the same with words my degree was english you know i love words i love poetry i love you know it's an expression but any, whenever things follow a certain pattern, people remember it and people, it, it, it becomes actually an integral part of their synaptic connections and it makes them, it conditions them but for the positive. It can yeah. open your mind and expand it. So that was a very roundabout way of answering your question. Through play would have been the concise answer, <laughs> but I felt the need to expand why I felt that way. I feel it needs to be creative play. And I will just add one thing. If children don't make mistakes, they don't learn resilience. So educating children into an education system where they're not, well, they're not allowed, allowed to make, to make mistakes. mistakes. You're yeah. not teaching people resilience. Yeah. I can really relate to all you're saying, Cathy, because I excelled at creative uh, play, if you want to call it music, from very early age in sport. That, that was really the only thing I was interested in. I did okay with the other academic subjects, but uh, they didn't manage to knock it out of me at all. It was, uh, I don't know how I kept it, to be honest, because uh, I got bullied at school, you know, and I just kept going and it, it made me stronger. So, you know, I, I think that's a really good thing. If they can be creative, you know, you, you can be strong and be independent and start a new system, really. Mm. Can, I know with my two girls, my two daughters, I've always brought them up with uh, encouraging their own personalities to shine, you know, mm. to not fit in a... 
a prescribed box if you like so if they're not feeling particularly drawn to a certain thing one day then that's fine you know ask the question well what do you feel like doing you know in that respect and if they do show interest in what you're doing then um obviously you bring them into that and you invite them in and you educate them um you know i think i mentioned a few episodes ago about them both showing an in interest into uh, things spiritual yeah you did. um mm. it, they've grown up with it obviously uh but now they've asked if i would um show them how to use angel cards so i didn't want to force this on them again i'm going back to what i was saying i'm letting the individuality of them uh to open up and when they was ready then obviously mm. i'm there to help but yeah I, i'm a big believer of that mm. almost like uh it's important i suppose to be open about your own spirituality uh yeah. and and not I think with with um, with Logan, um, I, I became stuck a little bit because he was asking about it doesn't he, he was asking about God and saying I don't believe there's a God and actually it's quite hard I found it quite hard to answer yeah that mm -hmm. sort of question so I kind of I, I tried to shy away from talking about it when I think no actually we should talk about that sort of thing we should be open about that yeah. sort of thing. We should talk about meditation, and actually, Chloe quite enjoys meditating. You've seen the picture, haven't you, where she yeah, sat on the cushion? So we, Chloe does some children's meditations and things like that. And I think actually that is quite important, important yeah, and important as well to show them and be uh, lead by example with our um, consideration of nature in the forest and yeah. our consideration of creatures and plants that are in that habitat and things it's like that. It's an awareness, so, isn't it, yeah, of mm. everything sort of natural. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. So, Cathy, you've only got another 35 minutes, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I could listen to you. I could just let you carry on, Cathy. So I started, you asked me how I, I think we'll go back to the original question, which was how what your spiritual development, because I think that, yeah, might, okay. that might be, that might give us a bit of focus rather than tangenting. And as I Definitely. always do, I always <laughs> tangent. Um, so, so that was not to four. Um, my, my very strict army upbringing. So we were made to go to church. I didn't like it. I used to sit there picking my nose, playing with my hair, <laughs> wrecking the chair in front of me. I was always like taking leaflets out and shredding them and making little animals out of them. So yeah, I, I, they didn't like me in church very often. I got kicked out of brownies because um, I had an inflated sense of justice. So somebody was being picked on. So I... Mm had a fight so um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and I was that frightened of uh, letting my parents know I'd been kicked out of brownies I used to hide in the shed as my dad used to drop me off and just wait there for an hour and a half <laughs> so I did that for a while but I was I think I can't talk about my spirituality without talking about my obsession with trees and nature so when we lived uh, on the Dutch border in Germany we lived at the bottom of it's Nordrhein-Westphalia, which is a big forested area. And my whole, the happiest part of my childhood was spent climbing trees, making dens, mm. playing in dirt. And that's, that's why I was happy. And that's where I still feel at peace now. You know, I'm 50. 
And if I see a tree, Phil will tell you, I need to climb it. You know, if it, if it looks like it can be climbed, I'll climb it. And, you know, that's, that's where I find my peace. And to me, I do not see the... I do not see that as not part of my spiritual journey. I think that is a very integral part yeah. of my spiritual journey, my connection Sounds with amazing. nature and trees. Mm. And caves. Oh, and caves, yeah. yeah Just climbing, lot. really. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of pictures, isn't there, of, of um, you in climbing trees and climbing through caves. Yeah, yeah, there so. is. Um, so I'll, I'll try and do an abridged version. So when I was, my mum and dad split up when I was 10, I came back to England, massive culture shock, mm-hmm. ended up on the roughest housing estate in the middle of Chesterfield and had to fight my way out of life. And again, conditioning, you know, I was the outsider, I was different. I was, yeah. And I was quite happy just making dens and being in trees. I didn't want to be part of anybody's gang or mm. or anything or join anything the only club i liked was judo because it was martial arts so i loved that <laughs> so, there's a bit of a theme developing i better be careful um, <laughs> you see why i work in behavior um, but i can remember on a, a spiritual story i don't even know whether i've even told you this phil mm. um my granddad used to work in a steelworks an old steelworks uh, sheep bridge steelworks and chesterfield sheffield border and there was some derelict buildings next to it. And he used to say, don't go there, it's haunted. And of course, that makes you want to go, go there, there, doesn't it? <laughs> so I, I was climbing some trees and I was climbing up this tree and I saw into the building and I thought I saw somebody moving in there. So I got my friends to come with me. I always used to hang around with the lads because the girls were boring, the lads would fight. <laughs> but you're a tomboy. Yeah, very much. So we went into this building and we all did dares over who would dare go upstairs and Anyway, I went up and I just saw a man hanging from the rafters. So I screamed, ran downstairs, told the others what I saw. They went upstairs and said, you're just trying to frighten us, or words that effect in Chesterfield, which you can imagine it was a bit cruder than that. And uh, and, uh, and we all ran off. And I went back and I... And I was really subdued. And my I was living with my grandparents at the time. And my granddad said, call me Arkath. So what's up with you, Arkath? He says, you're quiet, so I know there's something wrong. Mm. So I told him the story. And he says, you've just seen old... And he said this person's name, which I can't remember. And he said, yes, they hung themselves. Right. The oh. wife died tragically, and he just came home from work and hung himself. Mm. And the, the building's been derelict ever since. So, yeah, yeah, so that was... So I obviously have seen spirit. I think I saw saw it then. There was a few other occasions similar to that, but that one really stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit off the topic of conditioning. Though. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's very I think you were the same mm. as me, different religion, but we were both, we kind of both ended up in religion as well at one point, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, that's something I don't like to talk about. That, but they were the dark years. You don't need you don't have to. <clears throat> I'll just mention it very briefly because it was an awful period in my life. Um, but I was forced into the Jehovah's Witness religion, which was very strict and very, uh, very okay. patriarchal. But mm. I do think I'm going to gain. I always look for a positive in every experience mm, yeah. I've been through, and I gained a very comprehensive view of the Bible, of history of ancient history, of Greek mm. history, Roman history, through my Bible studies. And I think that's given me a more rounded view of spirituality, full stop. So I'm um, 12 years of my life totally not wasted yeah. because mm. 
I believe it gave me that. And if ever I get into a um, theological debate with anybody about the rights and wrongs of Christianity, or yeah, I can I can actually still remember verses and chapters. And I was going to say know. actually that you are very knowledgeable around scripture, mm. aren't you? You like yeah. words, don't you? Yeah. So I remember. Yeah, 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 I remember. So to me, that's useful when you're um, trying to um, debate things to actually have a knowledge about what you're debating. Course, you yeah. can't just say, well, I think all Christianity is rubbish. Well, other than that, it's just an opinion, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, so, an uneducated opinion if mm. you've not researched into it. But again, that's conditioning, isn't it? So I was conditioned through that religion to believe that women were inferior which obviously naturally went against my tomboy and out there, you know, outlook. So that took a long time to shake, to be honest. Right. That took a long time to shake when I did. I leave wasn't it. aware of that actually. So yeah, something there. Yeah, it was very, yeah, very patriarchal. Mm. Um, women aren't allowed to speak up in the congregation and and things like that. It is very patriarchal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as, you can, as you can imagine, I did. But anyway, that's a, that's a long story. But that, but I do believe that that is still part of my spiritual journey. That awareness that there was, I always had that awareness there was something other than myself. So I like yeah. you. Yours was an ortho, orthodox religion, but it was still an awareness that there's something else. Mm. Yeah, well, my parents. My dad was Catholic, and my mum was Church of England. I guess. And I didn't really relate to either of them, but then my mum went into the spiritual path and we naturally went into that then. Oh, lovely. So, uh, yeah, I think that having that, having that being in that religion, because I was brought up... Because uh, you Church, Church of England, England. yeah. Yeah, but actually, yeah, it does give you almost like... Um, not a back... I was going to say a backbone, not a backbone, but an underlying base of knowledge of scripture doesn't it like you were saying Kathy mm. so it yeah it, it's benefited me and I do I think like everybody when you leave something you become very reactionary and it was all rubbish and I was going to be an atheist and you know <laughs> and then actually as years gone by I've revisited a lot of things that I did turn my back on and I can remember reading a quote from Gandhi and he said if your country and mine sat down on the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, then we would be at peace. And if you think of the five Reiki principles, it parallels Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> you know, do not worry, the birds of the heavens. Do You know, and you can see those parallels in all religions mm. and you can see those tr basic truths of spirituality in all well, religions. It's all, of, all as one, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just different techniques and, and be beliefs, faiths or... Or opinions even. Yeah, you know, it's, ways yeah. of accessing source yeah. and truth. They call it Holy Spirit. Other people would call it source. Some yeah. people would call it angels. Some people would call it pagan it's all of the same, energy. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. I didn't realise until the other week I read um, a, what a passage in Scripture, actually, and it's Mark chapter 11, verse 24, and it's about manifestation. Mm. Mm. And, and it says something along the lines of um ask ask and um, you shall receive kind yeah, yeah, but, it, yeah. but it says it is, it? ask yeah. ask for what basically ask for what you want believe that you have it and you shall have it that's it and that's manifestation yeah, that's and there's yeah. also if you had faith the size of a mustard grain that mountain would move 
and we think about removal of obstacles through, you know, positive thinking and manifestation. And on a totally different note, Ezekiel 38 talks about um, space visitors coming down to earth and talks about chariots with eyes on which is obviously a spaceship (laughs) it's obviously a spaceship if you look at it yeah yeah. so you know so if you you know that was the celestial that's an ancient person's recording of um creatures from another dimension slash out of space this is going to be another podcast i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah we're so we've gone so way off yeah. the path. Well, we were talking about what makes, you know, how you're conditioned to where you are on your spiritual journey. Yeah. Do you know what just came into my mind, though, when you are talking about visitors from above, uh, was the ancient carvings and how they carry those, was it, I suppose they look like handbags that they carry. Do you know which ones I mean? Yeah, the Aztecs ones. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was the oxygen tanks. So all around mm. the world, all these Aztec carvings... Um, all have that oxygen tank mm. with them. That it looks like a handbag, doesn't it? Mm. If you've seen it. Mm. So yeah. Totally off topic there. Sorry. Absolutely. That but was that big. leads nicely into another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hear for inspiration. Yeah. So how did you get into uh, the spiritualist movement, Kathy? Um. Should imagine it was a giant leap from what you've just. Been well, describing. like I said, I went, <laughs> I went um, very anti everything, and had a few years where I was a bit wild. Um, broke my legs in a motorbike accident. Had Ooh. to learn to walk again. Uh, went through a divorce. Yeah, yeah, did lots of weird things before. <laughs> um, lived or didn't live, but I was always very aware of my spiritual need. Um, and then I'd just come out of um, a DV, sorry, domestic violent relationship, like finding mm. myself again. Mm. And all the things that had been forbidden to me in that relationship, I suddenly decided I was going to do. And one of them was to see a clairvoyant. So my friend Julie Johnson, uh, Phil knows Julie yeah, Johnson, yeah. my friend Julie Johnson at the time, said, come on, I'm going to take you. So I went to one and they connected with my grandma who actually brought me up for about six years of my life. So very, very okay. close to my grandma. So, and then that it began to make me question other things. And we were looking for a development group. So we went to Angie's development group first yeah. and I loved it and I loved the drumming, but um, Julie was looking for something more specific. So then we went to Clipston Reiki and yeah. started doing Reiki. So <clears throat> I'm going back about 12 years now. And that's where we met. And that's, we met, we met eight uh, years ago, didn't we? We met at, Clips- at Clipston Reiki, Reiki when we yeah. first started, to, when we both first started to go. Mm. Mm. Right. So that's where we met. And uh, yeah, and then I did, I did a couple of years with Reiki. And at the same time, I, I met my other friend, Phil, who is actually my Tai Chi master, and I started doing Tai Chi. And I believe I started doing Tai Chi to help me understand the energy side of things. Yeah. I'm going to butt in. Sorry, Cathy. Go on. Because you're talking about Tai Chi, and I know you're going to talk about Qigong. And <laughs> you've not heard it yet because it's not released until four weeks for the meditation podcast. Yeah, that's Where right. we used... 
for the meditation oh, yes. that I did, yeah. we used your elements poem. We did. Lovely. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I won't have heard that. So, yes. Yeah. So, so if you want to talk about those elements that you uh, <coughs> Well, I'm going to go poem. bring poem? it back to the children thing. Because oh, right. yes. actually okay. how I met my Tai Chi master. Dungeons <laughs> <laughs> and all that. <laughs> how I met my Tai Chi master was actually, and he'd hate me to call him that. He, I'm not your master. Um it, Big Phil, because there's Big yeah. Phil and Little Phil. So Big Phil, how I met Big Phil was I was delivering behaviour programmes within school and he was introduced to me. And you shouldn't go on first experiences, but I thought, what's this lout in a hoodie going to teach me? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's become one of my closest friends. Um, so through him, he used to use the the Tai Chi and the Chujuk Gong to help people with behaviour issues, learn to channel their anger right. and, you know, not just a punch bag, but to learn how to regulate themselves and to recognise the mm. breathing and do deep breathing. And I began to see the correlation between meditation and the behaviour. Mm. And I could really bore you on a thing called the triune brain, which I won't, but basically fight, flight or when you're using the amygdala part of your brain yeah. and how to switch that back on. This is what I teach children, to switch mm. back on your frontal lobe and the part of your brain that actually can reason and can think is by meditation and breathing. So that's something, you know, I try and sneak in. Head heart coherent, doesn't yeah. it? That's well. interesting. I know um, Phil said, if, I think it was a meditation podcast that we recorded, um, that you suggested to the children there, Kathy, breathing through your feet. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, that just resonated with me as soon as Phil mentioned I it. I tell everybody that now because I I'll, love that. I'll tell you the story behind it. It was really quite funny. There was a, a boy in a secondary school because I worked in a secondary school before yeah. I went into primary. Boy in a secondary school. And I, the, my nickname was Niso Iso Miss. Because they had to go in isolation, but I was the one they talked to. So they used to get, <laughs> some of them used to go in isolation on purpose so they could talk to me about what had happened. So anyway, nice ISO miss. So it's a good name, isn't like it? it? I, I quite, like I quite liked gone. it. It had a nice ring to it. Um, but this particular child used to come in and he used to have meltdowns in the classroom and he'd swear and shout and overturn tables and then get kicked out. Frustration. Isn't it? Frustration and... And he'd end up having to go to faculty detention and wouldn't stay there and swear at that teacher. And uh, in the end, I said to him, when you get to that stage, walk out the class. And he'd say, I'd get in trouble for walking out, not as much as you do for what you do. So yeah. just walk out the class and find me. And his class teacher was lovely. She was a young NQT, sorry, newly qualified teacher. She was lovely. And she really wanted to be the go-to person for this boy. And she came up to, she came up to me and said, I asked him why he didn't come to me. I was really quite offended. And he says, Miss Winfield teaches me to breathe through my feet and it makes my heart slow down. <laughs> so that was the story. Yeah. I taught him to breathe through his feet and it made his heart slow down. It's a fantastic... Actually put, isn't yeah. it? That? Yeah. And I thought that it's just simple grounding. But going back to the conditioning as children, if you are not taught how to be calm, if you do not know how calm feels, yeah. how can you expect it to find that place within yourself? If you don't know as how a that child, is. if you don't know, so how many times? And I used to, I used to try and deliver programs, training programs to staff, and I used to say, "You can't walk into a room and yell, calm down." 
no it doesn't work it doesn't work and they do they do teachers still do it you still see teachers walking into a classroom and say can you all calm down and be quiet no no mirror neurons they are going to respond to whatever energy you are giving out they will give back do you know what I used to do because I, I did teaching in the secondary school and primary school music creative I used my gifts to create a career and I, I went into very noisy classrooms and I'd just sit sit down and I'd just carry on what I was doing and then I'd look up and smile and eventually they sort of looked at me as if, you know, why is she not saying anything? <laughs> I just waited for them all to be quiet in their own time and they soon realised that uh, it could be five minutes, it could be ten minutes, but eventually they were all quiet and I just said, oh, are you all ready now? Mm. Yes, miss, <laughs> you know, and off we did. We did some music and singing. And that's how you brought them down, by... Mm. Actually, being calm myself, modeling good behavior is that's one of the phrases we use yeah. modeling appropriate responses. I loved it. Yeah, there's a good technique that I was told many years ago is when someone's shouting really angry, like you've just described, shouting and everything, and your response is, What's the matter with you? You know, almost whispering, and so they're gonna have to lower their tone in order to hear what you're saying. So it kind of neutralises the situation. It's matching, matching yeah. the uh, the volume, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, one of part of my job is uh, I'm not going to talk too much about that. Is that DS teaching de-escalation strategies to parents, and that's one of the strategies we use. Glenn is oh. to actually say to if you if a child shouts and you shout, you actually go up that escalation scale. But yeah, by but by um, actually bringing your tone down uh, it's um one of the statements we use is be like a swan you look like you're gliding even if inside you're, you're all turbulent <laughs> you need yeah. to look like, like you're gliding and <laughs> by looking like you're gliding the message you are giving to your child is you're safe i've got you yeah. i'm okay i'm calm therefore they have that safety zone to be calm yeah. sort of gone off a bit off conditioning but i think it's all related it it's is about. all related yeah yeah i could listen to you it, for ages it relates it when you're an adult as well because the same behavior is there really it's um you know if you if you're both shouting it's uh, just becomes a louder shout there mm, definitely so one person needs to sort of lead the behavior and, and bring it back into some kind of calmness rather than chaos mm. And I think uh, we were talking earlier, and it is related to what you said, we were talking earlier about um, how we've had a week of speaking our truth. Yes. Well, mine was yeah. sort of last week, but it started last week, towards the end of last week. Okay. And I was in a meeting, and uh, a professional meeting, so obviously I can't give you any details, but we're in a meeting and everybody's like vying for their opinion and their yeah. opinion. And I was really quiet which, as you can guess, everybody's very shocked by. And then when, <laughs> and, and, when, and, they, and then they were like, look, they're going, are you still there, Cathy? Are you still there? Because it was on a team. And I said, yeah. yes. And somebody says, and so what do you think? I said, well, I've been listening because I was given two ears and one mouth. And I thought that's the best way to learn. I don't know about you. And they all went quiet. Oh, yeah. And then, then I said, and all I've heard is the voice of a child being lost in all of this. 
so can we find his voice again please and then it was just so powerful because I was quiet and calm and calm when everybody else was vying for what their opinion was and Mm. you know hopefully for the better outcome for the child wonderful response there as well fantastic there was um a term I heard it ages ago I can't remember where or when but it um it said it's knowledge speaks and wisdom listens yeah and I love that I love that I was listening to a recording and this kind of uh ties in with what you were just saying as well Kathy was um how you were just saying that you were quiet and you were listening to that um and it was a, it's a YouTube video that I was listening to, and they said throughout March it's important that we keep our sovereignty mm. and mm. stay in that space and keep ourselves yeah. in that space mm. as well. I, Just, I think it is. I think it's important mm. for us to notice. I've 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 learned obviously a large part of my. Um, work and i'm going to go back to my actual work but though i do class themselves because i was saying to you do you want to hear about my spiritual work or about my actual work and actually i see them both as very intertwined very intertwined because if i go and work directly with a child i am reading their energies the minute i walk into the room i am sensing whether they're distressed i can tell whether they're sussing me out i can tell when they're nervous you know so it's very hard to say well actually that's where my my actual work ends and my spiritual it blends, blends. it is it, yeah. we are spiritual beings in a physical body having a physical experience mm, so how can you separate the two yeah. um i think that's where that's that's how you're able to bring your passion into your day-to-day work isn't it Kathy? Mm. really so that's what makes it your calling i suppose i, I believe it is i yeah. believe um if we're talking about conditioning, I mean, I did start this podcast a bit dark by talking about my many aces. And and I do believe that actually we always are, I always have a joke, whether it's at eight or nine, because I've got eight and a half. Ah. So it's nearly, (laughs) nearly nine. Um, Nearly full house. Nearly full house there. (laughs) Um, But we joke and, and I just say, I'm living proof that you don't have to be subject to your conditioning. And I actually used to use that with, um, uh, women I worked with who were escaping domestic violence and yeah. say you you we might can. have had this in your history but we have a choice to undo and reprogram ourselves and I, it keeps coming to my mind so I'm going to have to mention it it's coming to my mind four times now the Celestine Prophecy I've forgotten who it's by I have but I've read that book well, yeah. it's an amazing it book yeah. it's one I read quite early on in my spiritual journey but he looks at um he looks at your childhood. One of the the insights is what your childhood programming, right. and how you have ancestral programming, and how their parents did one thing. So your parents I can relate to all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I yeah. can. You know, I mentioned my grandparents, but they had a very toxic relationship. My mum entered into toxic relationships, then I entered into toxic, oh, and you get pattern, and you yeah. can see that ancestral patterning. And then you have to wake up and say, actually, well, you don't have to. You can choose to keep keep repeating history. But part of your spiritual journey is to wake up and recognise those negative patterns, those negative yeah. life cycles, and actually look for ways of changing that and turning that round. So when we talk about children being conditioned, we are children. In yeah, our we, souls, yeah. we are still mm. those damaged children. Yeah. So as any, an adult. As an adult, yeah. we carry those with us. 
And, you know, I've worked with adults within domestic violence. I've worked with adults who've had mental breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And every adult I've ever worked with have all been had damage or poor conditioning as children without question. There's no, there hasn't been one exception in my personal experience. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to read the Celestine prophecy, that author is uh, James Redfield. Redfield. I knew it was James. I couldn't remember his last name. So yeah, that, that book really came to mind. And I think it is worth a read if you are trying to explore that part of, you know, your childhood conditioning. It's very important. Do you know what you were talking about the aces, Cathy? And I was thinking, actually, over time, probably 30 years ago, I know we didn't have the aces, but no. if we did, I wonder how they would have looked. I wonder if there would have been as many. Because you look at verbal abuse now yeah. and being shouted at as a child by your parents is classed as verbal abuse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, having been smacked on the bottom Today is, it's is, physical, yeah. is physical abuse. But many years ago, it, it, it wouldn't wasn't. have, it wasn't, was it? No. Mm. Does make you wonder. And it, again, we are going back to that ancestral conditioning, yeah. generations upon generations. Cathy, that means two minutes left. That's great. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not swearing at you. So, I think it'll be a to, be, to be continued even. <laughs> Definitely. I think... Um, I think you could, you could go on for quite a while there, you know, I bet we've only even covered a couple of aces there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can relate to everything you've said there, and I feel like I've had a almost a counselling session <laughs> that I've had a reflection of what you've been talking about there, and I can relate to that. I think if anybody, I feel like I need to do a disclaimer, if anybody listening to this can relate to it in a way that perhaps stirs emotions, I would say, I know it's something Phil's done, I know it's something I've done, you can there's lots on youtube I, I mean maybe phil can share a particular link but on inner child visiting your inner child mm. giving your thinking of an upsetting scenario and giving your inner child in that particular point during a meditation what they wanted in time i've right. taken yeah. people through inner child meditations um in the past which have been quite effective so yeah there are there are quite a few actually that you can do kathy thank you I have. Yes, thank that, you. This yes. episode has gone so quick. Yeah. Any last any last words? You've got thirty seconds, Kathy. Just just look look and heal your inner child because that is the only way to move forward spiritually. That's and very actually, good advice. Is, and actually it? reach your full potential on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Kathy. I've really enjoyed it. Um, any last words Marvelous. before those pips go? Well, reflection time, so uh, it, in a good way. <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you, Cathy. You've been a perfect guest for us. Yeah, definitely. Marvelous. Thank you for having me here. Namaste, everyone. Thank Namaste. you very much. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you for listening and continuing to support the Full Circle Podcast. We would love for you to subscribe and share. Don't forget to find us 
official Facebook page. Until next time, have a good time, all of the time.